Today's episode of Lions of Liberty is brought to you by MathBot.com. MathBot.com is a fun little game that fills a serious hole that the public and even the private schools miss, and that is knowledge of programming and the math behind programming. MathBot.com gives parents a much-needed tool to make sure their children don't fall behind in this new information age. Software is eating the world, and those who don't know how to code will be left behind as more and more jobs become automated. MathBot.com gives kids and even adults like me, the knowledge needed to thrive in this new world. MathBot may just seem like a fun and simple game, but behind the scenes it uses the same method Julius Caesar, Isaac Newton, Einstein, and everyone else were all taught math before the state got its greasy hands into education. This method goes all the way back to classical Greece, the dawn of civilization. MathBot will gradually upload the math and logical skills needed to understand programming into the mind of any player. It's said that the pen is mightier than the sword, but now code is even mightier than the pen. So become mighty and learn to code over at mathbot.com. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. What you doing now, Lions? Nothing strange to see here. I'm just serenading my listeners. Welcome back to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast. Yes, every single Monday you got me here where I host interesting interviews like the one you're going to hear today and like the one you heard last week. You heard? You hear now? You heard last week when I interviewed Congressman Justin Amash. So uh, that was a huge get, someone I really wanted to talk to for a long time. And thanks to my friend and past guest, Dr. Eric Larson, I was able to make that happen. So be sure to tick back to episode number 392 to check that out. Today's episode, by extension, is episode 393 of this flagship program that I've been doing for over five years here. This, of course, means that you can find today's show notes over at lionsofliberty.com slash 393. Inching up very slowly on the big episode 400, so I'm going to have something fun planned for that. But it's not just me here at Lions of Liberty. I have colleagues, I have friends, starting with Brian McWilliams on Wednesdays when he brings you his weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty on Electric Liberty Land, while John Odie Odermatt wraps things up on Fridays with his hard-hitting look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. My friends, you can get all of this Delivered free to your earbuds three times a week just by hitting that subscribe button. Whether you're listening on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, any of the myriad number of podcatchers out there. I don't really care how you do it. YouTube is an option. Tune in radio. You can yell at Alexa, Spotify. There's thousands of ways probably literally to listen to the show. As long as you're here listening, I'm happy. And you know what else makes me happy? That is waking up to a nice fresh cup of coffee. And I'm not going to give you a full ad spiel right now, but I do want to make sure everyone out there is aware that we now have our own coffee brand in a partnership with Anarcho Coffee. And you can find that by heading over to lionsofliberty.com coffee. We have a blend called the morning roar. What else? So please do do us a favor and check out lionsofliberty.com slash coffee. Buying through that link is how we get paid. So please do do that. We appreciate it. If you're a coffee drinker, easy way to get some coffee and help the show. And of course, you do get a discount by going through that link. We wouldn't have it any other way. All right. My guest today is the host of the System is Down podcast, which just passed 100 episodes. He's going to tell you a little bit more about what he does over there in a minute. He is also the producer and director of the forthcoming documentary entitled The Moon, The Myth, The Legend, Lunar Lore 
for Humble Dummies. And believe it or not, you have already heard his voice on this show today because he is the voice of God that brings me into the show every single week. Please to welcome the one and only Dan Smots. Dan, are you ready to roar? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all revved up and ready to roar, Mark. Absolutely. You sound so revved up. <laughs> yeah. Do you need to go drink a Monster Energy drink real quick? and get? Uh, I'm together? currently drinking a, a beloved double IPA, which I know the Lines of Liberty aren't too, too many fans of that. But uh, there, there are split opinions on the yeah. beers. Don't paint everyone with water. <laughs> to me, I, I like some IPAs, but they, they just fill up my little belly yeah. so yeah. fast. And then I can't drink as much. Well, if you drink a double IPA, it's like a nine and a half percent. So and it doesn't fill you up too fast. You, you mentioned that uh, I, I, you know, intro the show and I've done all your design work and all that stuff. So I'm a little disappointed that it took this long for me to come on your show. I'm uh, a little offended, but it, it'll be, it'll be we had to, we had to make you wait, you know, we had to make you to build up the hype. That's right. And we had to make you do a bunch of uh, free random uh, photoshops first <laughs> to prove, to prove your fealty, to prove us. your loyalty. Yes. <laughs> But well, you know, I think there's a couple events converging for you right now, and we'll, we'll we'll get into all of them. But congratulations, you did just pass 100 episodes. That's pretty awesome. They say the average podcast lasts like seven, yep. so you're you're way beyond that. You have established uh, a little a little thing there with the system is down. So that's very cool. And also, you have this documentary coming out, and we will dig into all of that. But first, of course. I interview libertarians on the show. You are a libertarian. That's how we first got in touch with each other. Uh, you were a fan of the show. You started doing some uh, random funny photoshops. I think it was uh, during the the Bill Weld, Gary Johnson days, uh, during Mr. Johnson's Neighborhood segment. Right. I think we got a couple funny photoshops out of that. So um, that's what got us kind of talking about doing some work for us. And it, it led to everything that we've mentioned today, doing the designs, our t-shirt designs, which you can find over at lionsofliberty.store, as well as uh, the remix intro of the show that you currently hear. So uh, we do appreciate all you've done. And that's why after making you sweat it out for two years, <laughs> you can finally you can finally come on and tell everybody about it. But uh, as I mentioned, you are a libertarian of sorts now, now that you've had a couple of years of listening to the sweet, sweet sounds of the Lions of Liberty under your belt. So why don't we go back? I've heard your story about how you became a libertarian a little bit before. Um, I think you've touched on it on a few other shows, but I want to get a little bit more into uh, your your political beliefs or to whatever extent you might have had them uh, before that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, when you're a teenager growing up or whenever it is you first started thinking about this. Sure. Yeah. As a teenager growing up, I mean, I was raised in a super conservative Christian household. So of course, here in the Midwest, I was a Republican just because I was a Republican uh, because my parents were, and you know, that's all the reason you need. Um, I, I didn't really dig into politics all that much at all and didn't really care until the, the latest with Donald Trump and all that. Um, and like you said, uh, I've told my story many times, but uh, I actually got into libertarianism because of Donald Trump. Uh, I got into libertarianism because I got into politics and I got into politics because I got into listening to the craziness that was going on with Donald Trump. But uh, before that, I, I did vote for like the Bushes and the McCains and all the things just because I didn't care. I was like, you know, anti-abortion, all that stuff, Christian, blah, blah, blah. Um, so <laughs> you sound very passionate <laughs> about, about those beliefs right now. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it depends on what, what route you want this conversation to go, but uh, I've, it can go any of the routes. This is Lions Liberty. Of course. You know of course. You go whichever direction you feel. Right. But I, I want to say that I was passionate or I guess I was passionate, but not knowledgeable about anything back in those days. Um, I was just kind of going through life, didn't care about the things I, I knew some of the talking points like abortion is murder and all that stuff. But uh, 
And so because of that, I got to vote for the guy that's against abortion and didn't really dig into anything political, didn't watch any of the debates, didn't listen to anything. Actually, um, still before I really got into politics, I listened to some stuff from Ron Paul and had a, a Ron Paul sticker and stuff like that on my um, on my laptop. I didn't know really much of anything about it, but I was like, there's something here. There's something here. I still didn't care that much. That's interesting because I never heard you mention that that little aspect before. It's almost like you just glossed over just a, a brief a brief Ron Paul fanboy phase, but <laughs> you weren't. So that's interesting. So was that in the the 2008 or the 2012 campaign? I it's hard to it's hard to say. It probably it all. I know it all blends together. Yeah, too, probably once the videos went viral, he was everywhere. Right, probably the latter when he started. Uh, showing up on like Facebook or whatever the social media platform was at the time, stuff like that. Um, I just heard some messages and I was like, I like what this guy's saying. I still don't care about politics, but I like like the uh, the revolution thing where he switched the love around and all that. I, I liked his branding. I liked yeah. his message, the little bit that I heard, but I still didn't care about politics. And I was actually, at the time I was working um, in uh, the, the music field, I was running uh, some studio out in Columbus, Ohio area. And I had the Ron Paul sticker on my laptop, just kind of passively. And so, <laughs> I had a couple of bands come in to record. And like one of them was like, oh, you like Ron Paul? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, what, what about it? And they're like, so uh, do you smoke weed? <laughs> I was like, uh, I, don't, I don't know the connection because I don't care about politics that much. But I, I do like Ron Paul. Right. I did, did not smoke weed at the time. <laughs> you weren't even really connecting it to necessarily all of the political positions per se right. or a philosophy of libertarianism it was just somebody who you know seemed like they were sort of right. you know giving a, a general good message yeah absolutely it was just kind of a thing that was out there and i was like i like the, the little bit that i've heard from this person and it seems to make some sense now let's go about my daily routine and not pay any more attention to that <laughs> so you see had a bl brief flirtation with ron paul and then donald trump comes along and everybody's talking about donald trump whether you're into politics before or not and this is a conversation i've had with even very anti-trump people before for. And, and I say, look, you know, no matter what you think of him and his policies, you cannot deny. And it, this might be for bad or for good. I don't even know if it's necessarily right. good. Uh, it's good when people get into politics and become libertarians. I'm not sure if it's great when they get involved and go a different weird way. So, uh, But at the end of the day, so many more people like yourself just became more interested in what's going on here uh, overall. So what, what was it exactly that kind of guided you in there? Was it you know something specific you heard Trump say or just the fact that this guy who was basically a cartoon character <laughs> and he was in like Home Alone 2 at some point and hosted a reality? show was actually running for president and being taken seriously depending on how you define it but he was basically on tv 24 7 yeah. he was the only news story yeah i mean before this i was basically i probably would have pretended like i knew stuff about politics and didn't know i think that that's what the majority of people in america do they're like oh i, I know exactly what i'm talking about but uh have no freaking clue and so I, I think that that was kind of the thing where donald trump just kind of he whether or not he makes America great again, he did make politics interesting. <laughs> so uh, he can't deny that. Like I, I had my talk points. I had things that I, I believed or thought or whatever. And I was like, yeah, we'll just go through life. And then uh, Donald Trump comes along and he made it interesting. He made it something that got my attention. And I started watching debates and I was like, this is, this is interesting. Listening to, you know, discourse back and forth, listening to different points and, uh, counterpoints and stuff like that. Um, I really enjoyed it. So I started digging into, I started watching basically all the debates. Uh, I watched all the Republican debates first. Then I was like, 
you know, let's see what's on the other side. So I watched all the Democratic debates and I was like, is there anything else out there? Because these guys are uh, they're all kind of assholes to a certain degree. And (laughs) so I, uh, you know, I started feeling out like the Green Party and the Libertarian Party. And I'm like, oh, so I I watched all the Libertarian debates. And well, I watched a little bit of the Green Party stuff. I'm like, no, never mind. And then I started watching the (laughs) Libertarian debates with uh, McAfee and uh, Austin Peterson and all that stuff and started digging into some podcasts because things just started making sense. It just sounded like logic. It sounded like people speaking in human dialect rather than talk points to, uh, you know, gin up emotions amongst people like I feel both of the two main parties are doing. Right. And I think that's, I mean, libertarians certainly have their own set of talking points as well, but I think the biggest difference is libertarians believe their own talking points for the most part. Um, Nobody's going to bother toiling around in a third party or with this other weird, uh, you know, viewpoint that most people don't hold just to try to fit in or, or try to set a certain standard to get a certain seat of power. Cause if you're going to do that, well, then you may as well be a Democrat and Republican and just rattle off those talking points that who knows what they believe and what they do don't. I'm sure some Democrats and Republicans believe everything they're saying or some portion of what they're saying and i'm sure most of them just rattle off the talking points that is going to get them the votes or the support of their right. party or what have you yeah honestly i think that there's a lot of people out there like myself at the time who don't even really understand the idea of what liberty is like we hear this word liberty thrown out there and as libertarians we we get the the concept but i, I feel like a lot of people are just like liberty it means america it means freedom and whatever blah 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 but we don't really actually think about it it means hot dogs and war <laughs> exactly but uh yeah um i don't know there was just something about the libertarian stuff that it was just it was like this is logical how does not everybody believe this i didn't know that there was a party that actually had some logic in it <laughs> and the, i mean there was still some stuff with a lot of the candidates that i disagreed with on in certain aspects but uh, I also listened to uh, Penn Jillette's podcast a lot at the time, so he probably helped push me in that direction. Um, but it, it just it makes sense. Were you already listening to his show just out of you know liking who he is yeah. and you know the kind of stuff he talks about, not necessarily for political? Reasons? Yep, I, I just liked his uh, his his work over like everything that he does, from his magic to his, uh, his shows and uh, bullshit and all that stuff that he's put out over the years. And I don't say bullshit like in a, an offensive way. He had a show called Bullshit, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so would you say it was, was there someone in particular that kind of dra- brought you into the Libertarian Party? I mean, when you pulled up those debates, was was there any moment or any kind of particular viewpoint that you heard that you said, okay, wait a minute, I really, these are the guys I really got to listen mm. to? Good question. I, I think that um, it probably, it, it's hard. I haven't really thought about it, what, like where it really stemmed from, but Probably a lot of it had to do with getting the Ron Paul talking points back in the day and then seeing that Rand Paul was in the Republican Party. That also, I might be giving Donald Trump too much credit because I might have been interested in the Republican Party because Rand Paul was running too. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I can't say for sure exactly what it was. I didn't read like uh, any like Atlas Shrugged or anything like that. I had no backing, just a, a commoner who stumbled across it and was like, ah, oh, they're, they're this, this makes a lot of sense. So um, there, I would say that the the podcast, like uh, Lines of Liberty, obviously, uh, you guys and... Number one, of course. Of course, yeah. Uh, Jason Stapleton's podcast, I started digging into. Like, I just started looking up, uh, after I stumbled across the, the debates and everything, I started looking into, um, basically went on Apple Podcasts and typed in libertarianism and started listening to see who had the best produced shows and started listening to shit and filling my brain with some knowledge and... Ended up with you guys and Jason and 
Roger and all the, the statists and anarchists and everything in between. <laughs> uh, so like as you're learning about the ideas of liberty, obviously at first you just kind of hear a few things before you dig into the philosophy uh, in a deeper way. Was there, were there any aspects that you found sort of uh, difficult to buy into, you know, or anything that countered beliefs that you held previously that kind of challenged them and started you actually thinking in a different way more so than just, I, I already agree with this. You get, you get the hardball question. Sure. <laughs> the thing that I like about the Libertarian Party more than what I've seen in some of the other parties is that there are debates. There are like different things that different people believe and there are discussions. There's a lot of infighting and shit, but uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of abortion. I'm against abortion <laughs> pretty well, uh, but I've gone back and forth on my thoughts on that. Uh, but I am currently pro-life and um, but listening to people like McAfee and Gary Johnson, who are pro-choice, talk about it in certain ways, kind of challenge my beliefs on that even in certain things. But um, I, I liked that there were people like you look at the Republican Party and it's like, oh, they are the party of pro-life. And you look at the Democrat Party, they're the party of pro-choice. But in the Libertarian Party, they're actually having the conversation of let's actually discuss this and not just throw this out there as like as a, a big headline topic for you know for our, our party like it's not just a banner that's waving it's like they're they're actually discussing whether or not uh this should be a thing so i i liked the the humanity of it and the rawness of it and even with all the infighting i like the uh you know just the fact that it seems more authentic than either of the other two yeah, i mean i think that sums up you know one of the biggest problems with the really the two-party system overall is when you have these two powerful sides that everyone feels like they have to choose one or the other, and then they each come up with their whole list of talking points, and now it's suddenly you have to believe all these nine things or all these nine right. things. And if you have any mix of that, you you feel like you don't belong, which is where I, I was and where I, probably in some ways not really thinking about it where you were politically uh, before kind of finding the libertarians where even where we disagree, there's a difference here. It's not just a phrase, pro-life or pro-choice. It's a conversation. Uh, you know, when does life begin? When do rights begin? Uh, how does the rights of the mother balance a child? You don't hear that kind of nuanced right. discussion in Democrat versus Republican circles. You just hear scream, right. scream, pro-choice, scream, scream, baby, murder, pro-life, you know, that you, you don't get a real yeah. discussion. That's that's the, the my favorite part of being in libertarian circles that we actually argue and disagree and try to work things out as opposed to just fight for power. Although some people try to do that in the libertarian party too, but that's a whole nother that's a whole nother show. Sure. And I don't see the point in fighting for power in a third party, <laughs> to be honest. Exactly. But different discussion altogether. There's just a, an era of humility and humanity in it that I, I feel like to be completely honest, I I genuinely believe that it it's only a matter of time before everybody is like, yeah, that makes sense because they are the people that are actually thinking. They're the people who aren't just saying uh, point A, point B, point C. Like it, it drives me crazy that uh, everybody's like, Oh, we got to vote for the Republican because they're, they're pro life or whatever. And it's like, okay, we've had plenty of pro life Republicans as presidents and guess what? Abortion's still legal. So why don't we just have a conversation about this? Because obviously just checking the box because that's the party that you're on. It's not changing anything. It's been the same way for years. It's amazing actually how many people vote on that one particular issue um, specifically yeah. over something that has not changed at all. No matter who's president for the last, you know, 30, 40, exactly. 50, whatever it is years. Yeah. <laughs> 
We only fight over the things that will not change no matter who the president is. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm also curious, you know, as you're learning about this, obviously, I mean, at least for me and a lot of other libertarians, it, it kind of becomes infectious um, to the point that you just, sometimes you can't shut mm-hmm. up about it. Uh, so obviously, I'm sure you've had a lot of conversations with maybe, I don't know about family members, but maybe but friends and that sort of thing as you've gone along this path. Have you found that there are certain aspects of libertarianism that you find, you know, kind of more challenging to, to convey to people or, uh, you know, just, just more difficult? difficult to explain things like like how it might work in the real world or, or anything like that? I, I think that in, I, I'm open to talk to family, friends, whatever, and I've probably lost friends because of it. <laughs> like, I'm not preachy. I'm just like, I try to be as humble as possible and just say, you know, this makes sense. Doesn't this make sense? Look at this thing. Not that it's the end all be all. And I, I did like, uh, one thing that I love about uh, Pendulette is he talks about like, the libertarian utopia and everything, but a great point that he has made is like, you know, let's give it a shot. Let's try it. And then if it doesn't work, I'm humble enough to say, you know, if there are people dying in the streets in this libertarian utopia, let's try something else. Like, let's just be human about it. Um, so I just try to be as open and honest with people as possible. And um, I'm, I find that typically most people don't want to talk about it anyway, because they don't care. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with pride and arrogance because if you know something about something and they don't then they don't want to talk about it and they shut down pretty quickly or say that you're being condescending just because you know things and it's like i'm i'm i don't know what to tell you it's not my fault that you don't know things um i do do you want to know things because i'm here humbly trying to help you know things but uh people from my experience people just take offense and uh they don't want to talk about politics they don't like our show we talk about conspiracies, politics, and religion, all the things that uh, people find uncomfortable because these are things that exist in our world and we should be able to talk about them. Uh, the fact that people just shut down when you bring them up, I, I think that there's a problem with that and we're just humans trying to figure this shit out together. So why can't we when it comes to libertarianism or yeah, anything? I, I think there's a there's a line to straddle somewhere because I, I, I run into the, the same exact thing you're talking about sometimes where I'll just literally be like explaining a position and include some history of something or some facts about something. And sometimes you get that response of just like, they seem like they're being right. condescended to, or they feel like they are, even if you're just explaining uh, as, you know, as any rational human being would explain their right. viewpoint on something. But then there are, I have also seen many libertarians who are being <laughs> condescending sure. assholes. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that there I mean, needs to be it's all- <laughs> in all the, the three topics that I cover. I think that there needs to be an air of, uh, of humility that brought to all of them, the conspiracies, the politics and the religion, like you same with Christians or whatever any religion or even conspiracy minded folks like if you're a if you believe in something and you have a message that you want to convey to people you got to shut up and listen to them too otherwise why would they listen to you like you have to accept the idea that you don't know anything deep down like we can say yes libertarian utopia will work all day long but if it doesn't are are you going to double down and keep going with it or yeah you know are are you I might. Well, but. <laughs> sure. If if Mark sets up his libertarian utopia and I'm dying in the street, will Mark continue to say no government ever let Dan die? Fuck Dan, or will it be like I'd probably just try to like save you myself? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> As a good libertarian, one, but <laughs> and then that's good. 
Maybe I get some friends to voluntarily help me as well. But um, so you, you've kind of segued for me a little bit into what you do with the System Is Down podcast. So I actually do remember um, a couple years ago when you hit me up and said, and I've, I've heard this a million times, Dan. I've heard, hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Yeah. Uh, it'll be about these things and these things. And I go, okay, sure. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but you actually did it. You actually did it. And you've been doing a great job. Uh, it's become one of my must-listen-to shows, to be perfectly honest, because I really do appreciate your approach, kind of the approach you've been describing here, about having a real conversation no matter how ridiculous the idea may seem to some or how counter to uh, a certain popular belief it may be, you always take that same approach of curiosity, of allowing uh, the guests to sort of just say their piece and question right. them in a way that is is challenging, but also accepting that they sort of buy into their premise, I, I guess, whatever it may be. So what actually, what was it that actually inspired you to, to get up and just say, all right, I have to, I've done enough listening and now I need to do uh, a little more talking, a little more questioning and start my own thing? Well, to be completely honest, it, it wasn't like a, a giant revelation. It's been something that I've learned over time. It has value. Um, it really just started with sitting around having, like drinking, having some conversations about these topics and things that are challenging to people because I'm kind of an open book on these things. And I like to just explore and find out what is. I, I like to have an open mind about things because I, I always say on the show, like the person that you disagree with on online or whatever is not your enemy. Why are we having these shouting matches? The Facebook is not doing anything for our society and our culture, um, except for in like these little echo chambers and stuff like that, like the Lions of Liberty Forum. Right. But, um, yes. but the, the general uh, of Facebook is just like, screaming, calling people names because they disagree with you. Um, I don't understand that. I don't understand why as a society we've gotten to a point where you can't disagree with somebody without thinking that they're the enemy. Like even as far as like Republicans versus Democrats, like Republicans are saying that Democrats want to destroy the country. Democrats are saying Republicans want to destroy the country. It's like, okay, you disagree. That's fine. But can you just accept for one second that the person that you're yelling at is another human and they've, they've had a different upbringing. They were born in a different location with a different environment. They've been given different information. They've come to different conclusions. They actually want what's best for the country. They're probably wrong, but that doesn't make them your enemy. They're not trying to destroy you necessarily. They're like, you don't have to be a paranoid psychopath uh, in politics or conspiracies or religion. Just listen to people and discuss different ideas and uh, find out why people believe what they believe. And for some reason, over time, I'm finding out that uh, that's kind of a revolutionary thing and it is really sad and shouldn't be. Yeah, this is the same message that I've been, uh, I feel like preaching more and more lately is that we need to stop uh, approaching everything. And when I say we, I just mean other libertarians and anybody who does sure. this, uh, approaching every conversation where you have an opinion, whether it's politics. I'm mostly thinking about politics, but it applies to anything, you know, conspiracy topics, uh, religious topics, whatever they may be, approaching the conversation as if you know everything and you must destroy the wrongness of the person on the other right. side of you because th that attitude only leads to it never leads to changing anyone's mind if anything it will further entrench someone in their position because when people feel like they're being attacked and just being slammed for their beliefs and told they're wrong told they're evil told they're a status told they're stupid told they're a heathen whatever it may right. be they're gonna get in literally i mean it, this is in our biology they're gonna become defensive and they're just gonna entrench and try to defend their position whereas if you're actually Actually listening to them and trying to have a dialogue well sudden and you can find the points where you agree even if they're the most basic points like should you listen to each other right <laughs> and once you can get to that point now suddenly we've taken okay we've taken 
fists off the table. We've taken, maybe we've taken yelling off the table, even though we might get passionate about it. Once you can even start having that dialogue, then you can actually naturally change someone's mind, even if you're not changing their whole philosophy or, or point of view. They might actually see a point or two that they agree with in there, and now we can actually make a little progress. And you're not, you know, might, nobody's going to do a 180 in one night for the most part, but we can all kind of rotate on this little swivel of knowledge and, you know, hopefully land a little bit closer to each other by the end of a conversation here, a conversation there. Yeah, it's totally a, a pride thing too it's like look back at yourself 10 years ago do you still believe what you believe it's a lions of liberty pride thing check it out on patreon.com slash lions of liberty lions of liberty proud pride is pride is the fall of man mark uh so you you named your your bonus content after the fall of man uh but (laughs) uh no nothing i can do about what they call packs of lions (laughs) (laughs) different kind of pride but uh no it's we needed the pun it's uh I, i mean look at yourself 10 years ago do you believe what you believed back then if not, then you know that you can always be growing. You know that you have certain levels of enlightenment, unless you honestly think that you are God's gift to humanity and you are so enlightened that you have all the answers. Be open and willing to accept new information and don't judge other people who aren't, you know, up to the same level as you are. Uh, there are a lot of stupid Republicans, a lot of stupid Democrats, a lot of stupid libertarians. Okay, that's fine. They're trying to figure it out too. Are you going to judge them for being stupid or are you going to look at them as you look at yourself 10 years ago when you were a Republican or a Democrat before you found libertarianism? Like, why would you assume that they've gotten all the information that you've received? I mean, why would you assume that they are your enemy? It's it's just, it makes no logical sense because, uh, and also be open to the idea that somebody's gone through more life experiences and has received more uh, valuable information than you have and be open to their ideas. Uh, humble yourself a little bit to realize that maybe 10 years from now, hopefully you'll be even smarter than you are now. If you, you know, if you don't, if you don't assume that you've got it all 100% figured out, which you don't guarantee it, um, maybe you can learn something in the next 10 years and be a better person in 10 years. Who knows? Hey, friends, I got to take a quick pause here to tell you about another great libertarian podcast out there. It's called Free Man Beyond the Wall, hosted by the artist formerly known as Mance Raider, now known simply by his real name of Pete Raymond. And I got to tell you, Pete is a machine. This guy brings you a new episode of his own every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and he has done some absolutely fantastic in-depth interviews. He's had on everybody from Ron Paul to Thaddeus Russell to Phil Labonte, the lead singer of All That Remains, a very diverse group of guests, not always libertarians. He also did a great show with a Washington, D.C., insider lobbyist revealing a lot of the dirt that goes on behind the scenes in DC. He has done so many interviews that I have just said, darn, I wish I did this one myself. So I really do want to highly recommend checking out Free Man Beyond the Wall. You can find it over at freemanbeyondthewall.com as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and all those fancy podcatchers out there. All right, so why don't we dive a little bit into uh, one of the the three topics that you cover. We've talked a little bit about politics. Uh, Maybe we'll save religion for a bonus segment or another show, but I want to dig a little bit further into the conspiracy aspect of things, uh, largely because that does sort of tie into this documentary you're you're promoting, and I'm a master promoter, but also because I I am just curious how you apply this approach to, um, let's say, contentious conspiracy theories, things that are widely rejected. I think there's kind of a a continuum of conspiracies. Like I feel like it's not that 
controversial to talk about Bigfoot. We've all seen Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> you did a Bigfoot episode at one point that I, I really enjoyed, but no one gets, I've never seen anyone get really fired up about Bigfoot or really angry that someone believes in Bigfoot. <laughs> Whereas you see some other things just to bring up an example of the flat earth theory, which you have done maybe an episode or two that you've touched on, maybe more. <laughs> and uh, that for some reason just inspires Fear, pure fury and anger in people. So what is your approach when, when tackling really any conspiracies overall? I mean, how are how are you trying to approach these things in a manner that will obviously you're not always successful, but to, uh, I don't know, let, to get people to engage in the conversation about things that they might not think they normally sure. would? Sure. Uh, I mean, you, you got to listen to the stupid people because the stupid people might know more than you, actually. The people that you see as <laughs> dumb, uh, the people like I, I've seen – I find it funny that uh, people in the Libertarian Party, some of them are like conspiracy minded people and they dig way too deep into it. And some people are like, yeah, those people are idiots and I hate them. It's like, okay, let's just calm down and actually discuss this thing. You might not know either side of any of it. Um, There's a lot of name calling going on in the conspiracy stuff. Um, What what exactly was your question? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was really just asking how your approach, what your approach is to kind of conspiracies, knowing that people often do get inflamed about certain topics. So how do you try to approach them in a way to get people that to at least listen to say something like a flat earth with which many people understandably perhaps find to to be absurd, but still get them to sort of engage and listen to the show and take the arguments, you know, listen to them at least and then respond to them without, you know, losing their minds and and calling you, uh, you know, a flat turn. I don't know. I don't know what the terms are. <laughs> flat hard. <laughs> flat hard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my, my approach is basically just, it, it's fine. If I don't know something, it's fine. If, uh, if you know something that I don't, the same thing that we're talking about with politics, like being open-minded to things. I, I don't think it's dangerous to question the things in our surroundings. I don't think it's dangerous to, you know, look at things and explore things and see why people believe they're the way that they do. I, I think that everybody comes to different conclusions for a reason. And I think that it's uh, if there's any meaning or reason behind life as humans together as a collective, it's probably to try and figure out what is. And when we are going uh, through our day-to-day life, shutting people down just because they come to a different conclusion or think a different way, it's just it's just barbaric and stupid. Like, why would you not listen to somebody? Uh, it's illogical from even a scientific perspective to not listen to somebody that you disagree with like what what of course you're going to examine all the evidence you're going to examine all the reasons for you're going to examine like let's take flat earth or the moon landing or something you're going you should be examining it from every angle i'm not saying that i believe the earth is flat i'm not saying man didn't walk on the moon but i'm saying why why do you get defensive when somebody comes to a different conclusion we should be able to look at this and listen to somebody who it, maybe they're a <laughs> drugged up alcoholic i don't know and they're they're on a crazy high why not listen to them what's it gonna hurt they're not attacking you it should be very easy to destroy their arguments right. of that, of that exactly case. they're not attacking you why are you taking defense like why are you taking offense to what they're saying they're it, it feels like it's just this uh this sort of um attack on people's foundations of reality and people get really uncomfortable when you do that and i don't understand why that is because why wouldn't we just Except the fact that uh, maybe we don't know everything. Maybe somebody else knows something. Let's listen to them. Why? Why did you come to that conclusion? Uh, it, it actually reminds me of uh, you know I hosted a debate about universal 
basic income between two libertarians who both agree that ideally we have no welfare state at mm-hmm. all. Uh, they both agree on a, a very basic premise, so we should already you know be starting on a, on a same basic page. But just the very fact that I posted a, a debate on this topic, and I know that anybody that commented angrily didn't listen to it, sure. or they you know they would know. But just, just the fact that people that we had this debate, people were getting angry about. They're like, how could you? Oh, some libertarian podcast. This is why because we're letting a conversation right. occur. I mean that, and uh, so I think you do seem that. I think the more entrenched into a position people are, the more angry they get that the, that they might even be challenged right. on it. And it's it's in some ways maybe just a. A, a synapse of some kind. It's not necessarily a, a thought process they go through, but I, I see it all the time. But in, in all the topics you cover, in, yeah. in, in conspiracy theory topics, in politics, in uh, and in religion, and that's the, that's the kind of thing I, I think we're both trying to battle it in sort of different ways here. But this does segue, I believe, quite well, conveniently so, into the documentary that you're producing. Sure. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on with this moon thing? Why did you choose of all topics to cover in your very first documentary? The this might be one of the the first conspiracy theories I actually was aware of between this or JFK, mm-hmm. the the idea that man did not go on the moon. And I'll let you clarify, but this is not necessarily a we did or didn't documentary. This is well, why don't I just let you explain sure, instead of sure. trying to do it for and me? And the the <laughs> point that you make that it was the first thing that got you uh got the wheels turning for you is kind of the reason why i wanted to focus on it i think that this is an easy one to tackle um there's a lot to it a lot more than people are willing to see or understand um but this is the door for it has been the door for a lot of people to get into you know thinking open-mindedly about things and listening to different uh counterculture uh thoughts um so i i i feel like this topic in particular is one that is kind of poked fun at. It's kind of just like the throwaway, like, oh, haha, some people don't think we landed on the moon. If you dig into this stuff, it's really, really compelling to the point that yeah, it's I mean, almost... It's become a reoccurring joke in, in pop culture. Exactly. I mean, in TV shows and movies, they they will... I, I'm trying to remember the movie I saw, but there's some movie where they... I'm sure there's many movies where they kind of crash into a right. set and there they are. Yeah, there's a James Bond movie where they're, they're like staging a moon landing and he runs through the set. Um, like it's just kind of a punchline and a joke, but if you actually dig into it, there's, there's a lot of stuff here. And my, my goal isn't necessarily to say we didn't land on the moon. My goal is to try and figure out why people are so passionate about the fact that we, or the idea that we did land on the moon. Like if you say, if you go out and tell somebody on the street, I don't think that we did, they're going to call you an idiot. It's like, okay, now if I ask you, do you know how many people have supposedly walked on the moon? Do you know how many, how many countries have supposedly walked on the moon? Do you know how many times we've supposedly gone to the moon? Like, if you ask any details about the official story of the moon landing, nobody has a fucking clue. But they're so willing to call you an idiot for thinking that we didn't go there, but they don't know jack shit about what it is that they're talking about. Why? Why? Like, this... They everybody acts like they're experts on things. It's so similar to what I think about so many of the straw man arguments for libertarianism you hear sometimes, where people will rattle off like seven things and they'll be so sure that your libertarian positions are wrong. Meanwhile, they're describing things that are, are not are not even related right. to your positions, and you're just realizing, oh, you don't even you're not just disagreeing with me. You don't even know what I'm even right. going to say or what you're I'm not talking about. The argument, don't you don't know what the argument is. You don't even know the story. Right. <laughs> so, not only do you not know the story of of not only do you not know what the people believe that think that we didn't go to the moon, you don't know what the people, you don't know what the official story is even. You don't know anything at all about the the Cold War or the history of the, the things surrounding the moon landing and uh, 
uh, the, the Apollo missions and everything. You don't know anything at all, but you are really passionate about the fact that we went to the moon with zero digging or evidence or anything. So I'm just kind of approaching it from an open-minded perspective. And it, there's mountains of evidence for the idea that maybe we didn't walk on the moon. And all I'm saying is stop calling these people idiots because at the very least you have to accept the idea that these people uh, are, are doing their research and coming to a conclusion based on something substantial. You don't have that for your side because you haven't looked at their side. So let's just, let's look at it a little bit. I'm not trying to convince you that we didn't, but let's just look at what they're saying because you're not doing that. You're just shouting. So is is that your your approach to this documentary? Then you want to break down what maybe what the official story is, what critics of it say, and then perhaps dig further into why and why there's so much sort of anger that, that comes up and so much just fury versus conversation trying to refute the refutations of the original. Sure. Story. Yeah. Um. Is that about right? Yeah, kind of. Uh, to be completely honest, like I'm trying to approach it as unbiasedly as possible because I want – like we watch all these – well, I watch all these documentaries about things and uh, documentaries used to be like – the the idea of documentaries is to be like unbiased and show both sides of a thing. But so very often they're not that way and I want to be that way as much as possible. But the more I dig into this, the more I'm finding out that uh, it seems a lot like we didn't go to the moon um, as much as that <laughs> might offend you. But um, I'm trying to be as humble. I, I can already picture the angry comments on the post for this podcast, <laughs> but go on. Hey, uh, I'm throwing it out there. I'm like an open book. If somebody You're not the first one. When I interviewed the person that you think could actually be me, Greg Carlwood of the <laughs> Higher Side Chats a couple years ago, that's the one conspiracy I asked him. If there's just one <laughs> that you feel pretty good is you know, is true, because he, he does all sorts of topics and doesn't believe them all right. one or way or the other, but he said that was the one that he feels very confident in believing that it is a conspiracy. <laughs> if you look into it for 10, 15 minutes, it gets to a point where you're like... I've watched uh, documentaries and I know that everybody's going to jump to conclusions of, Oh, you got on YouTube and watched some conspiracy theorist rant for three hours. No, I've watched like, there are researchers, there are people who are digging into this legitimate um, uh, researchers and photographers and scientists and people who are trying to figure out uh, the actual truth behind this. Chill out, chill out. But um I've done a lot of digging into this thing and there is a lot of reason why people believe that this is fake. And it gets to a point where I, it's hard for me to think that it's real because things start to add up to a logical conclusion of this is complete and utter horseshit. And I, I, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, you can passionately defend your uninformed position and say that I'm retarded for thinking that we probably did it or I think it's hilarious that libertarians are so defensive of this thing or they'll say, you know, <laughs> I love Roger Paxton, but posted in our forum, uh, what would you ask uh, somebody who thinks that we didn't go to the moon? He said, why are you stupid? It's like, okay, well, you'd think that the government is lying. You're an anarchist. You think you don't trust the government in any way whatsoever. And all I'm saying is maybe the government lied in a certain way that you've ac accepted that lie. Um, and you're so unwilling to accept the idea that they lied about the moon landing when there's mountains of evidence, if you look into it, which we can get into some of it if you want, if you want to go down that rabbit trail. But uh, Well, I'm, I'm thinking, um, well, 
I'm thinking maybe we dig a little bit deeper on the moon in a little sure. bonus segment. So this is this will be a teaser for that because I do want to go down some of these these rabbit holes. But uh, yeah, yeah, but so you can, you can give a teaser <laughs> though. You can give maybe like what's what's just like what's just one as a preview, like the one thing that makes you really question it the most the one thing that stands out if you had to point out just one inconsistency or one thing that seems well, i mean there's so many things there's like the fact that i don't well you only get one the, the fact that i don't trust the government is a, is a good one for libertarians <laughs> you would think but uh no, there's supposedly van allen radiation belts terrible dangerous belts around the earth that were there before 1969 and they shut them down for four years apparently because we didn't talk about them for four years and we went there came back first try didn't send a monkey or anything we just put man there brought him back and uh now nasa can't you know they can't figure out the technology to get us through the van allen radiation belts now but we did it in the that is one thing that's always seemed weird to me. Not it's not evidence of anything per se, but the fact that we just haven't gone back in what is it like fifty years? It'll now? be fifty I mean, years in a, July. A four year period where we went a few times, and then you'd think it would just you'd think we'd have cities on the moon right, right now. You'd think we'd have you know massive mineral mining operations on the moon if because if if that technology existed at that point. And I'm not taking a side here, folks. I'm just <laughs> I'm just going down a little thought hole. Don't worry. Mark's about scared. It. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, but if that technology existed then to get there, you would think that the technology to get there now would just be like, just hop right. on the, the moon elevator and, and here we go. Right. It's like, do you trust the government or not? If you don't trust the government, why is it so far-fetched to think that the government lied? I, I don't understand why well, that's that big a deal. And it's not like like a lot of people look at this like as this crazy Alex Jones conspiracy, whatever. I'm not approaching it from a crazy Alex Jones type conspiracy theory mindset. It's like logically if you actually look at this there is something to this and i don't trust the government any more than you do so why are you so vehemently defending the government in this one particular issue and there's there's tons of moon landing stuff that you're afraid of me bringing up on this podcast so we can save it for the bars <laughs> i'm not afraid i just like to tease and send people to the patreon so we will do a bonus segment with dan as i just teased right there in the patreon so patreon.com slash lions of liberty folks that's that's where you get to support the show and hear awesome extra segments but uh other than conspiracies and uh religion you also of course like we talked about you do address politics yep. And uh, you approached me uh, somewhere near the beginning of your show about doing a, a very special segment where it's myself, a Republican, and a Democrat sort of <laughs> uh, uh, all talking together in a segment called Tripartisan Triggering. This is still one of my favorite things I do on any other podcast. So why don't you tell people uh, what your approach to this show is, why you keep doing this regularly. I think we've done it maybe four or five times now. Yeah. And uh, just just give everyone the, the feel for what goes on there. And then maybe we'll toss to a little preview clip of the next Sure. Episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's called a tripartisan triggering. Uh, it's where I have a, a supposed Republican, a supposed Democrat, and a supposed Libertarian on. Uh, and we kind of just see, you know, if you're looking at the Venn diagram of all these different things, like in a humble human perspective, where do we all converge in the middle? And why do we think the ways that we do? And I, I I picked without really knowing for fully like what their backgrounds were or anything. Uh, I picked Mark and uh, two friends of mine that are in different camps, and it's just been great conversations. Um, all three humble guys who are open to discussing different ideas, which again is a strangely revelatory and outlandish thought today that we can actually have conversations about things that we disagree with without, uh, you know, name calling or shouting or whatever. It, it's, it's a very sad world we live in if we can't do that. So that's kind of the point of the tripartisan triggering episodes. 
it, it's far less contentious than I ever imagined it would be when <laughs> when he first approached me on the topic, for sure. But I, I think that's the good thing. I think we're all an example of, of the same thing we've been talking about, of if we're going to actually change people's minds about anything we need to actually have a conversation and i think you picked the right people because we are no matter what the topic is even when we strongly disagree or there's oftentimes we actually end up agreeing a lot uh which i think it shows you how much people have in common even when they do identify with different sects or teams or, or whatever it may be um we we're always able i've i don't think there's ever been one contentious moment where anybody got upset i mean nope. at all i mean <laughs> if anything we're, we're joking and laughing too much yeah it's a fun laid back just people being people together who have differences of opinion. And I mean, we, we even do bonus segments where we talk about dating and just random crap that comes up. <laughs> like people are people, people have differences of opinion. People think uh, differently and think that certain things will solve different problems. They're probably wrong. You're probably wrong too. Just have an open mind and let's talk about it. Well, uh, I think with that being said, I want to toss to a little preview of this episode. The next episode is actually one where I actually defend the ideas of liberty. I defend libertarianism against the, I wouldn't say the, uh, I guess, criticisms, the criticisms and questions that uh, John and Ryan have of me. So take a quick listen to that, and we'll come back and wrap things up. Basically, John, your question is, uh, if if I were to pay you to assassinate me, should you go to prison for it? Or should I go to prison for it? Should I go to prison for trying to have somebody kill myself? See, I think I should go to prison for it. Why? I told you to do it. Because, because I, because I think it's whether, whether you told me, whether you provided consent or not. Okay. If you you try to do it and fail, should I go to prison for it? (laughs) That's kind of like the classic, like, should somebody uh, be put to death for failing to kill themselves? Like, right. I, I, no, I, 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 I guess in that scenario, I'm more sympathetic to the victim, obviously being in a state of, you know, it's the same thing with drug laws. Like, I, I'm more sympathetic to the user than I am to the dealer. I don't know if that's arbitrary or not, but that, that's just my but but going on what I was saying, like, I think that, you know, drugs is one thing. And I think you can make the argument like, oh, you know, somebody's using drugs effectively and not you know, killing themselves or exploiting themselves. But I think it gets a little bit murkier when you're talking about, let's talk about prostitution. Do you eat second. sugar, John? Oh, I, I love sugar. I drink okay. so much. Do you much know sugar is like way more addictive than cocaine? I believe it. I can't. He's drinking it. a Mike's Hard Lemonade I right mean, now. What do you should, think? Should, it's 90% like, sugar. Should Kellogg or I don't know who, I don't even know who makes sugar products. Uh, Hostess, should Hostess be jailed for selling you that sugar? It's a slow. <laughs> should little Debbie, little Debbie, should, should Debbie lock her up, lock her up. <laughs> should, should a SWAT team bust into little Debbie's house and toss her in a fucking cage for the rest of her life? And this is a joke, but it's not because this is exactly what happens. Well, P- SWAT teams break into people's houses at 4 a.m., shoot their fucking dogs, set off tear gas in their house, and call and, and you know scare the shit out of their kids because they sold something consensually to somebody. It's the same exact thing. I'm totally little, okay little with Debbie shooting of the deal. dogs, but uh, yeah. everything else I just. <laughs> I know, Dan, Ryan, uh, Ryan had a question. This goes, this goes back. This goes back to my question, which is, at some point, at one point, when talking about you want people to, you, you don't think it's a good transaction, right? I'm the, not saying it's good or bad. I, I'm, I'm just saying it doesn't mean every transaction is ne- like okay. What, how am I trying to say this? Just because I think something shouldn't be criminal doesn't mean it's always a good, the right decision or a good thing to do. I just think it shouldn't be criminal. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you should so, be allowed to kill yourself. I don't want you to kill yourself though. But you should be allowed so, to. Right. 
Um, so the the let let the, the transaction that's consensual of of heroin, right? Um, Correct. Let, let, can we just? I, I just want to assume for a second that people using heroin is not optimal for society. And maybe you have a problem. Maybe, maybe that's uh, not a. That's well, not categorically true. Okay. Well, I, I say it's not categorically true at all. I would say the modern day usage of black market heroin is probably terrible for almost everyone who uses it. A hundred years ago, it was just another painkiller, another people, another thing that people took in small dosages, prescribed by a doctor, and was much safer. And and I'm not not that nobody got addicted to it, just like not you no know, more than nobody gets addicted to modern day op opioids. Uh, but it was seen as a medical issue, not a criminal one. And that's that's my take on it as well okay and and when you say issue and let, let's assume that it's the the bad kind right like the modern day i, I wasn't even calling it the bad kind in that concept but yeah okay yeah, you're, i got you we'll assume that it's as bad I, as it is now i guess my point is the, the it, so to, to talk about today is, is, it, is it bad for society well, I guess society is uh, something to define there first, but I, I think it's bad when, if someone des destroys their own body, becomes destitute, can't work, and that sort of thing. That doesn't describe everybody who ever does heroin or ever, ever takes a drug. And, and so, my, so my question is – I don't is, think it's categorically it, bad to take any amount of any drug in, in that I could define as just saying this is always bad for every person in every circumstance. I don't think okay, I can say that. Okay. All right. Let's say that someone who's only taking drugs and not working and neglecting their children okay. and not and, and, providing – And there's deleterious not things contributing happen. anything. Sure. Or okay. maybe, you know, abusing others or stealing to get money for it. What have you? Shh. Or am I going too far? Then you want let's, to. Let's, let's, let's not go with steal. Let's just say okay. that they're destroying their own bodies and, and not finding personal fulfillment in life. Is that just bad for them or is it bad for society to have these people? Is there a welfare state? I'm, that's one question. <laughs> I, I agree. That is a good question. Because if, if there, yeah, I mean, if there is a society that is socially contracted to take care of them, no matter what happens to them, then it certainly is, you know, categorically bad for society to have to take care of a new person who's doing this bad thing, which is another argument for the drug war. And uh, it's another reason I'm opposed to the entirety of, of the system. And so um, it seems that if it's, and, and so the only reason I'm, I'm trying to do this step by step is because I want to find out if there is a certain type of thing that is bad for society. And if so, Shouldn't society have something in place to try to write or to try to undo or combat that badness? I and, think and now it doesn't have to be a criminal justice system, right? And maybe that's where the libertarian differs with other philosophies. Some people are like we just we got to criminalize it, we got to do this to make that happen. And maybe you agree that it's bad for society, and there needs to be things in society in place. And you, but you just think it's not the criminal justice system. Okay, maybe here's an example going away from the drug war, just because I'm, I think I am opposed to being racist. I think being racist is bad. I think it's stupid. I think nobody should be racist. I think being racist is probably one of the most ignorant uh, positions you could possibly take as a human being, and I think it should be 100% legal. So I think racism, the concept, is bad for society. I think that's like a concept I could say. It is bad. Um, and I would say to be – when I say be racist, I guess we should define things there because um, I just opened up a way whole new big can of worms. And I don't know why I thought racism would be a simple example. <laughs> now I'm like, wait a minute. These implications let's, say, let's assume speech, speech only racism. Eh? Yes. Let's that, define that it. it. Correct. I think it does for now, yeah, because there are many implications to discrimination. And those, there's 20 different avenues. We could go down them. We could not. But for this particular example, yes, speech racism – 
speech racism should be 100% legal and it's 100% stupid. So that's just, you know, I guess one example if we're talking about what's bad for society that I would think of. I don't think and someone categorically using heroin or not is necessarily good or bad for society. There, It is categorically bad if there's a welfare state that is contracted to take care of that person. Well, uh, you just heard me being brilliant as usual. So um, I, I hope I did a good job defending libertarianism. You can find out by listening to the entire next episode of the tripartisan triggering on The System is Down. When can they hear that, Dan, and how? Uh, it'll be give your whole speech. Sure, it'll be coming out. Uh, that one will be coming out on April 8th. Um, I'm not sure yet if it'll be a two-parter or a one-parter, but either all on the 8th or the 8th and the 15th. I'll probably release it all to the uh, the downers in the downers club i'll just go ahead and plug that in there but um and we also have done like mark said it's it's like our fourth or fifth episode that we've done with that group that round table of people so you can find all the information about the show and everything that we do in the other episodes at tsidpod.com or on all the podcast platforms youtube gab minds all the things so there's that all right, and then before we go, before we sign off and go into some super weird moon stuff in the bonus section, why don't you give everybody the full roundup of where they can find more information about uh, the documentary? I know you've got an Indiegogo mm-hmm. go, uh, Indiegogo going. Is that what people say? Sure. You've got an in- Indie or GoFundMe, one of those. You it tell is. them because I'm going to say the, the wrong. <laughs> sure, it is a it's a Indiegogo campaign that I'm doing. Um, I'm wanting to make this as like legit of a documentary as possible. I don't necessarily need the money because I do uh, graphic design and video work for a living. So I know how to do all the things that go into a documentary, but I'm put up a Indiegogo campaign basically as a pre-order thing. I set the goal as low as possible. I think it's like 500 bucks or something like that. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to use some of that money to go towards promotion and uh, possibly, you know, making future documentaries about this thing. And uh, I don't know. I mean, Really, it's just a way for you to get your hands on a copy of it as early as possible. There's a bunch of different things. There's like the soundtrack, which I'm going to be making myself. There's uh, there's going to be merch, shirts, t-shirts, posters, all sorts of fun things. So I want to make it kind of an interactive thing that we can all kind of do together to explore this topic from a humble dummy perspective. And you can find all of it on Indiegogo. Just type in Moon Myth Legend or the Moon, the Myth, the Legend, or you can go to moonmythlegend.com forward slash support to find all the information on that stuff. All right, Dan. Well, it's been a blast. Only made you wait a little over two years to actually come on yep. to the proper Lions of Liberty podcast. It's been a good time. We'll definitely have you back uh, in some form, especially now that we're doing all these libertarians and living room stricken liquor round tables. There's there's more room for uh, for liberty debauchery from, from the more room so for we'll, some. We'll try to make some you, scary moon yes, deniers. We'll try to make this not the last time. We'll try to make it less than two years. How about that? <laughs> Sounds good. It's a it's a damn all shame right, that I you know put out a 100th episode before we put out the first one that you had me on. But whatever. Technically, you've already been on with Brian on Electric. Doesn't Cleveland, count. Even though that was just him <laughs> comping a bonus segment as a real sure. show. But <laughs> I appreciate it, though. All right, Dan. It's been a blast. Folks, stay tuned or head on over. Well, stay tuned if you uh, if you already are a Patreon or head on over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. For as little as five bucks, you get to hear me and Dan go on and on about the moon for who knows how long. So we'll see you then. Dan, keep up the great work, buddy. Keep on roaring. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
All right, kids, I hope you enjoyed my indeed long overdue interview with our good friend Dan Smots, who has been working with us behind the scenes for a couple years in uh, various aspects, helping us design T-shirts, helping us design jingles of various natures. If you heard our Is It a Crime? Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor special on the last Felony Friday, the very last episode in your podcast feed, he also did the Is It a Crime? jingle. So he's been around helping us out for quite some time. So if you enjoyed anything about our conversation at all, please do go and check out The System Is Down. Great podcast. And uh, if you're at all intrigued by our little teaser of uh, super super weird moon stuff, as I'm going to call it, we do go in a much deeper dive on that stuff in the bonus segment, which, of course, you can find on our Patreon over at patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. Our Patreon is how we fund our operation and how we are able to expand and grow the show uh, through marketing campaigns and that sort of thing, and also by being able to go to other libertarian events around the country and help bring you some podcasts from there, like we did last year with Porkfest and the Libertarian National Convention, and like we're doing... Again, this year at Porkfest, where we will be attending and bringing you some live podcasts. I'm also in talks to be hosting a podcaster's panel at Porkfest. So please do come check out Porkfest. Go over to Porkfest.com, where right now you can still get early bird tickets. That is the cheapest tickets will ever be. So if you're considering it, stop considering, take some action, and come join us at Porkfest. It's going to be a blast. But I digress. You can indeed hear that bonus segment again by going to Patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty and joining the Lions of Liberty Pride for as little as $5 per month, along with all the extra amazing bonus content we have there out there for you. Uh, we just continue to pump it out. We do the League of Liberty with myself, Chris Spangle, Roger Paxson, and Johnny Rocket Adams. There's also some other show, which Dan Smotch is actually involved in, the, the Legion of Liberty Doom, featuring a, a cast of other characters who are loosely affiliated with our show. But Dan Smotch is indeed one of those characters, along with Brian John, Remzo Martinez, Howie. Uh, it's, it's quite a crew. So we do many, many shows for you, as well as Conspiracy Corners, our deep dive into various conspiracy theories, Degenerate Gamblers, which is really just a very fun show that largely devolves into stories, wild stories of our college days and current days as well. So really there is an unlimited, well, not literally, there is there is a limited content, but it's there's a plethora of it. Let's just put it that way over at our Patreon. We do really work very hard to make sure that our listeners and our patrons get a lot in return for their money. So thank you once again to all our patrons who have helped us fund this program, Help me with all the equipment that I'm using to record this show right this very second. And again, today's episode of Lions of Liberty is brought to you by MathBot.com. The pen may be mightier than the sword, but it's the 21st century, friends, and now code is even mightier than the pen. So learn how to build the tools that will bring prosperity and freedom to the world and learn how to code at MathBot.com. That is MathBot.com. Become mighty, my friends. And until next time, live love! and live free.